So today we are starting a brand new series just in time for February called How to Fight. And it is a series on relationships, uh, mainly marriage relationships, but also any other relationship that you have. And we're gonna learn how to actually manage conflict in relationships. But before we do that, see if you can find yourself in this video. Take a look at this. That's not how you fold the towels. It doesn't matter how you fold a towel. It does matter how you fold a towel. If you want it to fit in the closet, you have to roll it. Oh my, could you chew any louder? This goes on here. It takes two seconds. Well, then the next person who comes in will do it. That's not the point. What do you want to get for dinner? I don't really care. Then just pick something. You choose. The toilet paper goes over. It's printed that way so you can see it. No, the toilet paper goes under so that the cats don't get at it. That makes no sense. Told you. Shut up. I don't see why I have to put the utensils face down. Because when they're sticking up like that, if someone trips and falls, they're gonna impale themselves and die. That's literally the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I'm not playing this game where I list every single thing and you shoot it all down. I'm not doing this again. Well, then I don't know what to tell you. Oh my gosh, watch this. This is the best line. Did you watch this without me? You weren't home! Seriously, six more inches and it's in the sink. Anything will be fine. It's fine. food. Fine. All right. We're going to get pizza. Anything but pizza. What do you want to eat? That is Bill Paxton. It is Bill Pullman. Bill Paxton was in Aliens. That is Bill Paxton. That is him. Game over, man. That is that man right there. Why am I going to put him away? I'm wearing them tomorrow morning. I don't care if you're wearing them tomorrow morning. I don't want them just sitting by my side of the bed all night. Why do you do this? You squeeze from the bottom. The next person doesn't have to squeeze then. It's toothpaste. It's not like it's hard to squeeze it from a new area on the tube. Why are we fighting about this? Why are we fighting about this? I, why are we fighting about this? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have made you make the decision. With that being said, I think your original call of pizza is fine. Just no pepperoni. other than pepperoni. Oh I'm going to murder you, and when the pizza guy gets here, he's gonna help me bury your body, and then we are gonna get married. No, he won't, because he'll probably be like, yeah, I feel you, bro. <laughs> All right, moment of truth. Who has had some kind of conflict in the last two weeks? Raise your hand. All right, come on, Jesus can see you. Raise your hand. How about the last two days? You see where this is going, right? How many of you had some kind of conflict in the last two hours? Who is in conflict right now? Like, <laughs> as, we, as I mentioned, we are starting a new series. Um, it, it is called How to Fight. And the reason that I'm calling it How to Fight, because that might surprise you, because a lot of times when it comes to conflict and, and fighting, our goal is to not have them, right? Or some of us to always win them at all costs. But what we're going to talk about is how do we have biblical, healthy conflict within our marriage? Because 
Think about it. If you're human and you're in a relationship, you are going to have conflict, okay? You can't leave the house anymore without having conflict. To, to be alive is to be in conflict. And so that's actually something pretty beautiful that we all share in common, no matter what we, who we are. So no matter where you're at, where you land politically, theologically, you're all going to have conflict. We're all going to. Because where the Bible, what the Bible says is where two or three are gathered, there will all be drama. <laughs> it actually does not say that at all. No. Uh, but there was a meme that I saw a couple years ago where these people are arguing about which number is on the ground. And her brain says, well, it's one of those two numbers, nine or six. But the point is, so often, doesn't this embody our reactions with people so often? Air perspective at the time only allows us to see one side of the story. And when we can actually understand that, it's easier to honor each other even in the midst of conflict. It's easier to honor each other because we understand because there's more than one perspective. And in fact, take a look at this picture here, okay? Who sees a duck and who sees a rabbit, all right? Raise your hand if the first thing you saw was a duck. Raise your hand, all right? Raise your hand if the first thing you saw was a rabbit. Raise your hand, all right? Yeah, rabbits lose. All right, let's do it again. Who says duck? All right, and then who says rabbit? All right, more, all right? <laughs> all right, so let's have some conflict. Let's fight, rabbit or duck. Let's get into it. No, no, no. <laughs> Look, it's one thing to disagree about a meme. It's something else to have real conflict in our life. And maybe with their spouse that doesn't have the same cleanliness value as you. Or it could be a relative that actually has strong political views, but weak social skills. Anybody know that person? We all have conflict within our life. And, and, but one of the problems that we have when it pertains to conflict is that usually we're not prepared for it, right? We don't have a strategy for it. I mean, we know it's coming. Life is full of conflict. So if we know it's coming, why don't we have a strategy for it? And the problem is not that we have conflict. The problem is that we don't have a strategy to deal with it. And usually when, when conflict comes, we end up being reactionary. And depending on your personality or past history, you might do things like avoiding the issue or maybe react by lashing out in anger or sometimes even people resort to violence out of conflict. Um, and that's not okay. But, uh, but, or you could be passive aggressive and subtle jabs at people or in, engage in personal attacks as opposed to actually addressing the real issues. And it's all because we don't have a plan. We're not thinking of it ahead of time like we know it's gonna happen. And so how am I gonna react when I get there? A lot of times we end up blaming the other person out of reaction or focusing on the past instead of the actual solution. And the worst of all worst is regardless of what your reaction is, we can get to a place where we're actually unwilling to compromise. And so instead we end up trying to win the fight no matter the cost. But there is a way that conflict can actually be constructive and not destructive. For conflict to actually build your marriage stronger or your close relationships stronger and not tear it down. One of my favorite verses comes from Proverbs and it actually says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And that's not really a cuddly verse, right? It's like, oh, iron, I just love to cuddle, iron, you know. It's not like that. 
No, iron is being smashed into iron, likely to make a tool or a sword, something valuable. And there's something about this friction where we actually sharpen each other. The conflict done with care between loved ones, people that love each other, it can actually make us so much better. It could actually make us sharper. Like for instance, think about a coach. What does it take to make a good coach? I'll tell you what makes a terrible coach is a coach that never disagrees with you about anything. Everything you're doing is perfect. I got nothing to teach you, awesome job. No, a coach is always disagreeing with you. Hey, your form is a little bit off there. You'll get a little bit more power if you do that. A coach is constantly disagreeing with you. And that's what I'm talking about as far as iron sharpening iron. You can think about it this way. I borrowed this xylophone from the nursery in the back. There's probably a child back there crying because their favorite toy is up here with me. But don't worry, I'll return it. All the children will be happy again. But today I wanna to use this to actually help us understand something, okay? So I looked up uh, a little bit about scales and theory. Most of it goes over my head, head to be honest. I'm self-taught. I'm a musician, but I'm self-taught. My father actually studied in college to be a classical symphony conductor. So he understands all of this. If I get anything wrong, he'll let me know, I'm sure. But if you know anything about music, you'll have the, light, the same reaction to what uh, you're about to hear. All right, you ready? Okay, we'll close in prayer. It's been good. No, we're all anticipating the resolve. That's called a leading tone because it's leading somewhere. And the reason why most lullabies don't have the leading tone because that's not the goal. But classical music is filled with leading tones, discord, tension, everything on the inside is, it wants to get to the resolve. In fact, hum it out loud with me. Here we go. See? You all already know what it is. There's something deep on the inside of us that says, no, we're not supposed to stay here. In fact, there's something called the tritone. It was nicknamed the devil's interval. And in certain medieval cities, it was actually illegal to play a tritone because there was so much discord in it. There was so much desire to move to a resolve that wasn't there. And that's what conflict is meant to do in our lives, not just leave us where we're at. Come as you are is not the same as leave or stay as you are. God loves us so much that he doesn't wanna just leave us where we are. Conflict, this leading tone is actually what moves us into health or into growth. But we don't get there unless we actually go through the conflict. In fact, the, even the early Jewish mystics, the place that they argued and disagreed and debated, they called it holy ground. It's a place they would come together and they would duke it out, they would wrestle, they would dive deep. deep. They called that holy ground because that's where so many times God does great works in our midst. But if we're bullying or avoiding conflict at all costs, we'll never get there. We've got to learn how to have healthy conflict. So if we know we're going to fight, we've got to learn how to fight. And the goal of today is not to avoid the fight, but to go into it with an actual strategy. Don't run from it. Actually have a strategy ahead of time of how to have a fight, a constructive fight. And listen, I know this, this subject can be so personal, visceral even, but what we don't need is just one more sermon, one more list of ideas from Micah. 
We need the Holy Spirit's power present in our life to actually teach us and help us understand how to fight in a way where conflict actually sharpens us and it doesn't destroy our relationships. So I wanna encourage you, don't just be a spectator during this series. Lean in, understand the power of God and the wisdom of God when it comes to resolving conflict. I want you to understand and learn how to fight. Okay? Now, when we're talking about conflict, it would make sense to start with Jesus, right? One of the most famous statements that Jesus ever made was actually this, Matthew 5, 9. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, because they're called the children of God. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And when Jesus calls something blessed, we should actually pay attention. In fact, the apostle Paul echoes it in 12, Romans 12, 18, he says it this way. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Now it says, if it's all possible, as far as it depends on you. Now that's important because sometimes you'll be able to forgive somebody, but there won't be reconciliation. Sometimes it's just not possible because reconciliation means two people. If you do your part, they don't do their part. There is no reconciliation. But Paul says, if at all possible, strive for peace. And by peace, I'm not talking about uniformity where we all talk and walk the same, not uniformity, but unity in peace. And it feels like you can tell from his tone of voice that he's pleading with us. God, this is how, guys, this is how they will know us, that that we're Christians by our love for each other. And so have peace in your midst. And if you do, the world is gonna take notice of that. Obviously, this is easier said than done for all of us. So let's talk a little bit about our willingness to deal with conflict, okay? So where on this scale would you actually find yourself? So just look at this and imagine where you might be, okay? On this side is conflict avoidant, right? This is the kind of person, and maybe we've all done this a little bit, but you get a text and you just don't, I don't wanna deal with it. So you just kind of flip your phone over and you ignore it. And then now you can't go on social media because they'll see that you were there. And so then you bury your phone in the ground and, and you move to the mountains and become a monk. This is avoidant. They'll do anything they can to avoid it. Now, other people are conflict assertive. So that, those are the people who are like, yes, we're talking about conflict, how to fight. You guys need to calm down, <laughs> all right? You all make conflict with people you don't even disagree with. You just like to fight and debate. But in a room this size, we all lay somewhere in between these two. So kind of figure out where you're at in this spectrum, all right? Where would you put yourself? And here's what's crazy. Usually, people that get together, couples that get together, usually they come from two separate, completely back, complete backgrounds. I don't know why this is, but one person will usually come from a conflict assertive family which is whenever there's conflict, man, we go head to head. We're just gonna duke it out. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna let it fly. There's no filter. You know, there, there could be even yelling, throwing things even. We, some of us grew up in that family. Then other people grew up in the conflict avoidant family, which is you're not allowed to bring up conflict or anything that would create conflict. And if there is conflict, then you all go to your room. We're gonna, everybody goes to their separate corners and then we'll come back later and we'll pretend like nothing ever happened. And neither one of those are healthy. But the issue is, is that we all deal with conflict differently, right? But, God, but life brings conflict. You ever notice somebody comes flying back past you on the road and they're an idiot. 
But when you go flying past somebody, it's justified because you gotta get somewhere, right? You're late. We justify our own conflict, don't we? Now listen, and I know for a lot of us, it goes way deeper than that. Some of us, we have conflict that runs super, super deep. We go from relationship to relationship to relationship because once the chemistry runs out, we don't know how to deal with conflict. And by chemistry, I'm talking about that feeling of love. You see, commitment love is different than feeling love, okay? Feeling love is they call it in love. It's the butterflies in the stomach and you can't do anything wrong. And oh, he's so squishy and all that. <laughs> Society has told us that you base your relationships off of feeling love. But the problem with feeling love is that it comes and goes. Anybody that's been married for a number of years or decades can tell you that feeling love comes and goes. There are times when you wake up and you are not in love with that person. Now you love them, you might be committed to them, but you don't have those feelings anymore. One, there's a difference. One is I'm committed to you. The other one is I have butterflies for you. And when the butterflies leave, then our marriage is over. This is what society tells us. And so the thing is, is all the conflict was there the whole time. It's just that your infatuation with that person covered the conflict. It was always there. And then when that runs out, now you've got to deal with the conflict. And what happens is sometimes we end up dehumanizing who we have conflict with. If you ever ask somebody, oh, how such and such? Oh, you mean my ex? Oh, they no longer even have a name. It's like they're just the doer of evil, right? <laughs> We, we use language that dehumanizes somebody that we are in conflict with. But that's what happens when we actually don't know how to fight. Okay? So I believe that if we can actually get to the root of what causes conflict, then it's gonna be easier for us to actually create a strategy, to have a plan to overcome that conflict in a healthy way. Because as we've discovered, you can't avoid it. It's coming. Conflict is a part of life. And so we should know how to deal with it. Most conflict actually happens because we have what's called unmet expectations. Most conflict, most fights happen because we have an expectation of the other person. You may think that you don't, and, and this is not just for your spouse or your coworker. This, we all have expectations, whether we've articulated them to ourselves or not. They could be unspoken. They could even be unreasonable. They could be unagreed upon, but there are ex expectations that float around in our relationships all the time, whether we know it or not. And so often our response to our spouse or our loved ones is because they don't meet those expectations. So next time tension or conflict rises up, we should ask this question. What expectations are not being met? whether you said them out loud or not, what expectations do I feel have been let down, where I've been let down and it's causing this anger or this sadness? And so like when Melissa and I first got married, uh, my mom always burnt the toast. That was growing up, she would burn the toast, she would scrape the black off the toast, she would put the butter in the jelly and give it to us. That was normal. That was just life. When Melissa and I first got married, so I was gonna make her breakfast, I burnt the toast, so I scraped it off and I put this stuff on it. And so her expectation of me was different than my expectation of cooking. And so I brought, her, brought it to her and I flipped the dark side down. So there's a little bit of deception in that. I did, I did do that. So I brought it to her and she's like, you tried to hide 
the fact that you burnt the toast. What else are you hiding from me? I'm like, I just wanted to make breakfast. But there was this unmet expectation that she had that we hadn't talked about. I mean, like in, mar- in pre-marriage counseling, you don't talk about what do you do if you burn the toast. And so, but there was a pre, uh, there was this expectation that wasn't met. So there was the, so sometimes if that happens, you end up with this anger, this, this, this sadness. And so going back to the scale, I'm gonna add another dimension to help us figure out where we're at. Now, credit for credits due, where credit's due, Thomas Kilman conflict management model is where this comes from, okay? Uh, I've renamed some things, but the basic premise is the same. And here's the crazy thing is they didn't know this, but all the concepts are actually in the Bible as well. I love it when God knows more than we do. So the horizontal has to do with our assertiveness and then the vertical has to do with our care. And, uh, and so I know we're complex beings. And so this is just four of many complicated realities. But I, what I wanna do is try to give us some handles as to why we respond the way that we do when we're facing this thing that we're all gonna face, which is conflict. Now, in this quadrant is the peacekeeper. Now that may sound like what, uh, what Jesus said earlier, but that's not a peacemaker. This is a peacekeeper. And the difference is, is a peacekeeper does not wanna rock the boat. All right, that's typically their priority is I don't wanna make waves. It, a lot of times it's manifested with silent treatment, walking away, passive aggressiveness. It's kind of like when you're in a little kid and you wanted to break up with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. And so instead of you doing it, you had your best friend do it because you were a peacekeeper, right? You didn't want any kind of conflict, but <laughs> it actually didn't stop with grade school. So th- there's actually, there's a service I use, it's called Fiber. It's an internet service and it's great for graphic design, marketing, you know, all kinds of different things. We actually use it for special effects sometimes for movies. It's, you have a whole workforce that does all kinds of different things. You can hire them for $5 or increments of $5 and they can do all things for you virtually. Well, I tripped over this particular gig on Fiverr and for $5, they will call and deliver a message, breakups included. It's a real business that will break up with your, your spouse, or your boyfriend, girlfriend, if you, have sp- if you have conflict. $5, they'll send a text. I don't know how that works. I don't know if it's just a text that says, bye Felicia, or I, I don't know what that, winky face, I don't know. But for $20, they'll send a letter. $30, watch this, they'll make a phone call, which is how creepy is that? Hi, this is Steve over at Fiverr, and I'm calling on behalf of your now ex-boyfriend. I'm like, this isn't gonna be good. But also they have an option where when they break up with your significant other or this person for extra money, they'll send a box of chocolate or a copy of the notebook to help them cope with the breakup. (laughs) If you're a peacekeeper, your heart's probably in the right place, but what you need is a strategy. In fact, Jesus, he says it this way. If you're at church, you're offering your gift at the altar, you're church worshiping, and then you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. In other words, you're in conflict. Leave your gift there in front of the altar and first go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. Now that's pretty intense, right? That's a pretty severe statement from Jesus. Like if you're at church and you realize, you know, that this is going on and you didn't deal with it, leave and take care of it. The unity of the body of Christ and the unity of the family is important. Apparently so important that Jesus says, hey, we'll see you next Sunday, go take care of it. 
as much as it is up to you. Now, you don't wanna stalk people, okay? If you're reaching out, I've tried to reach out to people sometime and make amends with them. There was a misunderstanding and they're just not having it. They're not responding. Well, if, if that happens, you've done your part. So I'm not talking about stalking people that don't wanna talk to you. But uh, I think there's a lot of us that we actually run from this kind of conflict because we just don't wanna rock the boat. But what if we realize that by continually trying to keep the waters calm, we can actually do damage to ourselves as well as others. Now, the lower right-hand quadrant is the bully. Now, conflict is not challenge for the bully. The bully's like, yes, bring it on. The challenge for the bully is not confrontation. It's actually confrontation with care and with love. The bully is ready to dive in. You name the time, place, let's bring it on, let's do it. Even if it's inappropriate time or place, you know, they're, they're, they're in. And if you know that person, I mean, sometimes, well, think about it like this. I've got a scalpel and a hatchet. Both of them cut, but only one cut to heal. It has to do with design and motive. And so often we come with a hatchet thinking it's a scalpel. Like this is your, for your good, so I'm gonna tell you like it is. The issue with them is not confrontation, it's confrontation with care. And now if you know somebody like this or you are somebody like this, a lot of times we will make somebody else in the story the idiot or the enemy, right? Belittling them to make ourselves look better or, or more important. And then we call it confrontation. And there are, that's a wrong way to try to be right. It's not being right, it's being right in the right way. We're not just called to speak truth. In fact, listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He says, speak the truth in what? In love. It's equally as important. Not just speaking the truth. Well, it doesn't matter how I say it. I'm just gonna tell you the truth. Well, nothing could be farther from the real truth. So often we're right in the wrong ways. Your conclusion might be right, but your methodology is wrong. So don't just speak the truth, speak it with the love of God. So the lower left is apathy. And this is more like you feel low on energy, you're low on care, you just feel beat up. And so it's, a, it's avoidance with low energy. And an example of that, <laughs> this article I found says, man fakes being deaf and dumb for 62 years to avoid listening to wife. Some of you are like, yes, it's a good idea. New, it's a bad idea. In fact, the story later talks about how frustrated the wife was because she spent two years learning sign language for this man. And when she perfected it, his eyesight started to go. <laughs> this one is tough. It's tough for marriages and friendships, but man, your relationships are worth fighting for. And it's fighting in the right way with scalpels, not hatchets. Okay? Um, a good friend lets you know, you got spinach in your teeth. That's confrontation. You're not being a good friend by saying, oh, you've got some, oh, never mind. I'm just gonna let you go on your date with the spinach in your teeth. You know, no, that's not being a good friend. If that's you and you do that, you might be in a place of apathy. Now, let me say this. If in your situation, it is a place of abuse, get out. Let the church rally around you, stay with a relative, whatever it takes. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? If you're in a case where abuse is happening in your house, let us care for you, let us love you, let us come alongside of you. You are not 
alone and you were never intended to do this thing alone. Let us walk alongside of you. The goal is the upper right and that is to be a peacemaker, not appeasing, not avoiding, not attacking. Not, not, it's not like everything's fine. It's not avoiding, it's not every, running away. It's not attacking and bullying, but being a peacemaker because conflict is actually inevitable. It's inevitable in every relationship and it's inevitable for sure in a marriage relationship or a romantic relationship. And so instead of fleeing from conflict or, or in bullying in conflict, instead of being apathetic in conflict, the Bible asks us to be peacemakers in the middle of conflict. And I have, uh, you know, it's kind of like, I know I've got some, uh, some expectations, but let's not be enemies. Let's resolve this together. Let's be in this leading tone where we just let God lead us and move us to a place. Let iron sharpen iron. Conflict is not just inevitable, but when it's done right, it can be so healthy and so good. Remember, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. And God's goal is reconciliation, not retaliation. Reconciliation, not avoidance. And the reason we can do that is because we see the image of God in everybody we love and we meet, which means you can look in the eyes of somebody that you want to strangle and you can see the eyes of somebody that you love because they were made in God's image. And because we have gospel thickened skin that we could lean in with patience and love, not jump to conclusions, iron sharpening iron. We can say when a leading tone right now, but I believe it's moving us somewhere and let's let it move us together. Let's make this happen together. I'm telling you, I know this can be hard, this can be difficult. And sometimes you might have to walk away for a period of time, but believe that you can come back together and you can do it together. And, be, and what if we were an example to the world around us? What would it be like if the church made this a priority in our lives? Not to avoid conflict, but to have conflict God's way and have him at the center of what we say and what we do. And so that begs the question, <laughs> how? Easy said, but how? How do we become a peacemaker like Jesus was talking about in our marriages, in our close relationships? When conflict comes, how do we do that? Well, for that answer, you're gonna have to come back for the next three weeks as we talk about how to fight. Would you stand with me?